Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast for another episode, which I think you guys are going to like a little refresher because I have done an episode talking about the different phases of our cycle and cycle syncing and exercising and all that kind of stuff. But I know it is a trending topic right now. So I wanted to do an updated refresher kind of course for everybody for this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing today. So we're going to talk firstly um, with helping you guys to understand the different phases of your cycle, which is really important if you're wanting to conceive or if you're wanting to not conceive. So even if you don't want to have a baby, then this is also really important because you want to make sure that you aren't having sex and him finishing inside of you when you could be falling pregnant if you don't want to fall pregnant, right? Or spending all your energy having sex when you literally can't fall pregnant. And then when you can fall pregnant, you're not paying any attention and then you're missing that window, right? So we're going to talk about that to begin with. And then after that, what we're going to talk about is um, I kind of want to give you guys like a busy girl's guide to cycle syncing because I know there is like a hardcore way to cycle sync and I don't do that. I'm sorry, but if I could only eat raw carrots at a certain phase in my cycle, fuck that. And I don't want anyone to be going into any kind of extreme when it comes to cycle syncing or exercising a certain way at a different phase of your cycle because like it it kind of can tie into that perfectionistic culture and and like the perfectionistic tendencies that some of us can fall into where we feel like we have to be doing this perfectly and if we're not, we're going to like fuck our hormones up and we're going to gain a pile of weight and et cetera. So I kind of want to ease everybody's minds with sharing with you what I do for my cycle syncing because I'm very, very in tune with my cycle. I don't use any hormonal birth control. We don't use any protection in sex and we haven't fall pregnant, touch wood for the moment. Firstly, I want to start off by saying that I'm aware that I'm in a very loving relationship, a very committed relationship where even though right now we are intending to avoid pregnancy, um, I also have that safety blanket knowing that if we accidentally fell pregnant, that we would be okay no matter what we ended up doing, right? And I'm aware that for a lot of women, they don't have that. They don't, they, you know, don't have that partner that is making them feel secure no matter what happens in the bedroom. Um, and why this is important to bring up is because of kind of like a cutthroat truth. If you're having sex, there's a chance you're going to fall pregnant, full stop the end, right? And even though you get a, you could get an IUD, you could be on the pill, et cetera, it doesn't prevent a hundred percent. It doesn't prevent pregnancy happening a hundred percent of the time, right? Especially if you're on the pill, the IUD, the quote unquote, the good thing about the IUD is that there's a literally a foreign object in your uterus. So it really does help to prevent um, implantation, not just because of the hormones that are being released from the IUD and how ovulation is getting suppressed a lot of the time. um, But also just because there's literally a foreign object that's causing a lot of inflammation, But then there's obviously the downsides of then being on the IUD and a lot of doctors don't tell you that there's a chance that you could become infertile after being on the IUD, right? A lot of doctors don't tell young women that, but the reality is that that is the case. It's like one of the dark sides, right? So whilst it might seem more convenient, there's also the truth that it can very likely be dislodged and that can result in surgery and there is a chance that you then can't have children and you may want to have children, right? And then obviously with the pill, there is a very likely chance that you can fall pregnant. It's about a 6% chance that you can fall pregnant on the pill, which is kind of likely, you know, like, and it's something to take into consideration, especially if you are solely relying on that pill to prevent pregnancy and you're sleeping around. Look, I have no problem with you sleeping around. I have no judgment. I have I have done the sleeping around. I've been there. I'm glad that I've done it. I think it's, you know, a good thing for self-discovery, whatever. You can have your own opinion on it. Um, and 
where the problem can occur for a lot of women is that we put our power and our trust and our reliance in this foreign drug. And then when it lets us down and we fall pregnant, it feels like there's no hope for us and that we, we, it creates this like intense feeling of unsafety around sex because it's like, well, that was meant to prevent me from falling pregnant and it didn't. So like, why is my body broken? Why did my body betray me? So I find it really powerful for me personally, and I know for a lot of you that have, you know, you're on the same bandwagon. When you understand your cycle and when you track your cycle naturally, you know what your body's doing and your body never lies to you. That is one thing that we can say very confidently, right? Our body does not lie to us. So you can actually know where you are in your cycle and then whether you can fall pregnant or not via your cervical fluid and your temperature and other things. But today I want to focus on cervical fluid versus when you're on the pill, you don't fucking know. Like you do not know. And if you're not taking that pill with 100% accuracy, the chance of you falling pregnant becomes a lot higher. If you are accurately tracking your cycle and using the fertility awareness method, the chance of you falling pregnant is actually about 2%, 1% to 2%, which is fucking incredible when you think about it, right? The stats are continuously showing us this, especially now that we have the added benefit of technology like the Natural Cycles app and also the Aura Ring, which I'll talk a little bit about today, but I'll do a whole another episode on that later. Um, but I just, I really want us to remember that at the end of the day, if you're having sex, there's a chance that you can fall pregnant 1000%. To be cutthroat, right? The reality is that if you're having sex, you can fall pregnant. And the other cutthroat thing is that hormonal birth control does not prevent you from falling pregnant, right? So it's like, what are the alternatives? For me, I've really found the best alternative is actually just tracking my cycle and knowing my cycle because I have been doing for, I don't even know how many years, a lot, six, seven, seven, I don't know, a lot, like many, many years. And I haven't fallen pregnant. And I'd always be really open with you guys. If I had fallen pregnant, if I had had an abortion or if I do fall pregnant and I do have an abortion or whatever it is, I'll always be really, really open with you guys about that. Um, and the reality is, is that there is a chance, right? That if you're tracking your cycle naturally, you can fall pregnant. I do know people that have been tracking their cycle naturally, thought they weren't ovulating and they have fallen pregnant, but it's no more than the people that I know or the clients that I know that have fallen pregnant on hormonal birth control. And for me, in my mind, and hopefully in yours, the pros far outweigh the cons, right? The pros of not having a foreign object in your body, not pumping synthetic um, hormones into your body, not fully disrupting the connection between your brain and your ovaries. Like if you can avoid those things, to me, that's a pretty big pro. To me personally, in my mind, even if, you know, the chance of you falling pregnant was exactly the same being on hormonal birth control or off, I would still choose off because you don't have those added negative side effects of depression, of low libido, of, you know, realizing that you're not attracted to your partner when you get off them. Like you literally choose different partners because your smell receptors change when you're on the pill. And that doesn't mean that for every woman, when they come off the pill, they're not attracted to their partner anymore. But there is just, to me, when you look at all of the negative side effects of the pill, it's like, why the fuck are we on it? And it's sold to us as this like feministic, feministic, it's the, the pill is sold to us as this feminism, women's empowerment, you know, we can control our cycles. And and I'm like, no. And actually I saw a article the other day. I can't remember who wrote it. It was in, I think Cosmo. I was so appalled by it. It was an article about, yes, you can safely delay your period. And you know how they were telling you to get on the pill. And this is an OBGYN that's written this article that is telling young girls that, yeah, you can delay your period, making it this, it's, it's this whole marketing stunt in my mind of we're making it seem so sexy and alluring and attractive and, um, 
desirable to move your period because we're still telling ourselves the story of we hate our periods. It's shit having a period. I'm going to be really frank with you guys. Is it always ideal to have a period? No. Do I want to have a period on my wedding day? Mm, No. Like ideally, I really don't. Or like, you know, when you're traveling and you're on a plane and you get a heavy period, like, is it ideal? It's absolutely not. But is it worth, like, like, do you think it's fair that marketing is constantly selling us the story that our periods are always painful, are always inconvenienced, are always bad? No, because then we believe those things and they become our reality. Versus when I healed my relationship with my period and with being a woman and my cycle and femininity, and I stopped hating my period and I stopped seeing it as an inconvenience, but rather I saw it as a natural rhythm, as a natural part of my life of something that I got to use to support me in slowing down, in cycling and not just my hormones, but my productivity and in my rest and in my exercise and allowing myself to not do the same thing every day when I saw that as the benefit of it, when I actually realized the beauty and like the nature moving through my body, it completely changed my relationship with my period. Doesn't mean I love having it all the time. That's not what I'm saying. I get that it's an inconvenience, but I'm not hating on it and making me feel like I have to shift my period all the time. Like, am I, are we going to try and choose a date for the wedding where hopefully I'm not on my period because I'm going to like look that far in advance? Yes. But guess what? My cycle could shift every day for the next, you know, year and a half and I get my period on, on my wedding, whatever. It is not really a big deal. Um, but I just thought that it was so alarming that we're still, we are still selling young girls the story that our periods are an inconvenience and that we should be shifting our cycle. If your periods are painful, are debilitating, if you have humongous mood swings, if you are bleeding through your genes, I relate because that used to be me. For anyone that doesn't know, when I was in school, I used to wear a super tampon and a maternity pad, a super tampon and a maternity pad. And I would get in trouble for going to the bathroom so much during classes. But if I didn't go to the bathroom, there would be blood literally in the seat, like the classroom seat. My periods were debilitatingly heavy. I would sit on the toilet. I remember I would sit on the toilet with my laptop and I would sit and do homework on the toilet with my laptop as blood would just pour out of me because I was so sick of having to change my tampon and my pad all the time that I would just decide it's easier to sit on the toilet for two hours to just give myself a little bit of peace from having a fucking surfboard between my legs. So I get that. And now I don't have that at all, right? Because no one taught me back then a doctor's solution was to go on the pill. And my mom didn't know any better. No one taught me back then, oh, Monica, you have estrogen dominance. Oh, Monica, you have, you know, a huge amount of inflammation in your body and that's causing all of this period pain. Like, oh, Monica, you don't have strong levels of progesterone and, you know, like your circulation is off. No one taught me all of those things. So I really want you guys to know and pass on the information that period pain is common, but it is not normal, right? Let me break down what is actually normal for you in your cycle before we jump in. What is normal for you in your cycle is for you to be a little bit more lethargic right before your period and when you're bleeding. I'm on my period right now, right? And so when I'm on my period, I'm not exercising as much. I will often exercise in the afternoon rather than using up my energy in the morning. 
Um, I will try and wear like comfier clothes and comfier pants just because I like it, right? It feels just more grounding and nourishing during that time. I prefer to go for walks rather than do an intense class. If I was to go to a Pilates class and do the exact same class in ovulation versus in my luteal phase or in my on my period, I would find the Pilates class 10 times harder in my luteal phase or on my period than in ovulation. Um, I find sex a little bit more tender as most people would, duh, like when you're bleeding. Um, but I can, I have very, very enjoyable sex. I have orgasms. I can let go, etc. when I'm on my period. It's just that we are a little bit softer to begin with to allow my body to relax and everything. Cause of course you're a little bit protective at the beginning. Cause you know that it's a bit more sensitive down there. Um, during my luteal phase, I am ravishing all the time because I have a really good, strong level of progesterone and progesterone boosts your metabolism. So that's why you're burning through food more quickly. So it doesn't mean that you have cravings. I don't have cravings, right? Cravings are often a result of a hormonal imbalance and your brain is wanting serotonin. I don't have cravings. I have intense amounts of hunger and it drives me up the fucking wall. Um, so we always have to pack snacks, <laughs> always have to pack snacks. Um, I will also just find that I am a little bit more tired, especially in that second half of my luteal phase. And I don't want to go out. I don't want to talk as much. My communication isn't as good. Like, you know, I find that if I'm sitting down to record a podcast, for example, in my luteal phase, I can't get my words out and articulate as well versus if I'm recording a podcast at the end of my period, like I am today and in my follicular phase and ovulation phase, I'm doing a really great job at it and it comes up with a lot more ease. That is my cycle. That is a normal cycle, right? So if you were to look at those kind of symptoms and changes, it's an ebb and flow. It is not a stark up and down. Nothing is debilitating my life. Nothing is wreaking havoc on my productivity or anything. It's a simple, just slight fluctuation in how I want to show up that day and how I'm feeling in my body in terms of my energy levels. That is literally it. That is normal. Everything else, every PMS, ridiculous cramp, back pain, insomnia, hair loss, ridiculous bloating, all of those things, not normal. Oh, the other thing that I will say is, is normal, but also, you know, maybe reduce your inflammation levels a little bit, a little bit if possible is if you have like heaviness in your womb on the first day of your bleed, that's normal. I find if I've been traveling and under a little bit more stress on the first day of my period, sometimes I can get just like heaviness in my womb. I'm not going to be wanting to wear like a tight dress, you know, to go out to dinner that night. I'm going to want to really take it easy and just relax a little bit more. Um, and there can just be heaviness, but there isn't pain. I'm not in pain and I don't need to take any painkillers or anything. Okay. So I hope that helped you guys to actually have a clear idea to compare your cycle with of what's actually normal, not what we have normalized with the media that isn't fucking normal and allowing more and more people to think that them being sick or their body being in a state of dis-ease is okay because it's not. Whilst I appreciate that the conversation around PMS and periods has become more normalized because of us talking about these things, just because a conversation has become more normalized doesn't mean symptoms and problems should become more normalized. Okay. All right. So let's jump in. So we're going to be talking about cervical fluid today. And why this is really important is because some of you might have heard of the temperature method. You know, you're using your aura ring. Um, I have an aura ring. I love it. You might be using your aura ring to track your temperature, or you might be using the natural cycles and the thermometer to track your uh, basal body temperature, which is all great things. But the thing is, right, is that cervical fluid never lies to you. 
and it helps you to get a really clear idea of where you are in your cycle and whether sperm could travel up and then hang out and live and, you know, get nourishment for a few days up in your uh, womb, in your uh, fallopian tubes, etc. So your cervical, the cervical fluid is a thing that I'm always keeping my eye out for. In terms of my aura ring and my basal body temperature, I tried to do natural cycles for a little bit and I fucked that one off really quickly because, you know, I'm sorry, but I cannot measure my body temperature and put a thermometer in my mouth first thing in the morning. I always forget I'm getting a glass of water. I'm turning my alarm off. I'm rolling over and saying good morning to my fiance. You know, the dogs are fucking on me. I, it's not, accurate enough for me. So I threw that one out pretty quickly. Um, and so I'm really always focused on obviously using my intuition and my noticing my own energy levels, but then my cervical fluid, because that never lies to me, my aura ring allows me to see, oh, yep, we're definitely in luteal phase because we will see that change in body temperature when my body temperature will increase. Um, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Right. And it's been working for me for the past how many years. Okay. So cervical, um, cervical fluid really does serve a biological purpose, right? And I know it can be kind of a gross conversation to talk about. This is why I'm also using the word cervical fluid because I feel like it's a way better word than the word discharge. I'm sorry, that word, it's like saying, um, moist. I know it makes a lot of us squirm. So I'm going to use the word, the words cervical fluid, right? And it has a biological purpose. So without us having the presence of cervical fluid in our vagina, the sperm would really quickly die on their journey up through your cervix to your womb to then implant into an egg, right? So cervical mucus, it neutralizes the pH levels in your vagina, which is really important because it also then, as a result of that, it nourishes and feeds the sperm and allows it to make the journey to the egg, right? So your different cervical fluid, the different cervical fluid that you get throughout your cycle is telling you a lot about what's happening in your body and what's going to happen when sperm enters your vagina, right? So certain types of the cervical fluid is going to filter out bad sperm as well, which is really awesome. And it's going to allow the right sperm to be carried up then to implant into an egg, or it's going to prevent sperm being carried up into an egg because there isn't an egg that the sperm needs to get carried up into. So that's the important piece that we often forget because we do not learn. You do not have an egg waiting to be fertilized there your whole cycle. Your egg is only viable for about 24 to 48 hours, right? When you ovulate, when the sperm, so when the sperm, when the follicle bursts out of your ovary, and then the egg starts to travel down your fallopian tube, that egg will be chilling out and living for about 24 to 48 hours. And if it doesn't get fertilized, it's going to die. So why this is important to remember is because so many of us freak ourselves out. And I used to do this, freak ourselves out because we'll, we learn in school that you can fall pregnant at any phase, in any phase of your cycle, at any time of the month. You cannot, an egg has to be there to be fertilized. When you realize it, you're like, oh my God, that is the fucking most simple thing. Like, duh. But I'm... I'm telling you, I didn't know that for a little while. I really didn't know that. And then when I found that out, I was like, wait, that makes so much sense, right? So cervical mucus plays a very key role in conception. Friends, if you have not gotten your Australia ticket now, it is crunch time. We have a very limited amount of time remaining for you to get your tickets to this incredible, revolutionary, and unique event that we are having in May. There is no other immersion out there like this. Trust me when I say that. If you have not watched the testimonial video, if you have not watched the promo video, what are you doing? 
Like do not self-sabotage this. Do not not even allow yourself the opportunity to really look at the website page, look at all the testimonials, look at the promo page and make an informed decision. And even if that decision is no, great. But it feels so good when you have fully given yourself the space and the time to dig into something that you're maybe thinking about so that you can make a really informed yes or no, not just making a yes or no based on fears, your ego, what you think, the quote unquote time constraints that we tell ourselves all the time. If you are prioritizing being your best self this year, then I also hope that you prioritize looking into the immersion and seeing if it is a fit for you. If you have any questions about it, feel free to email, of course, and do not forget that the tickets will be completely finished for selling at the end of April. So your hormone estrogen, that is what peaks just before ovulation, right? That makes you feel sexy, full of energy, your skin's glowing, you feel vivacious, you feel turned on, your libido is at an all-time high, etc. That peaks just before ovulation. This causes the cervical mucus to change from kind of like that pasty um, or like creamy consistency. I kind of say it like resembles um, like hand moisturizer, like body moisturizer, right? And it will change to resemble that raw egg white consistency. You know, when you crack an egg and there's like a bit of that raw egg white and it's kind of like stretchy and like, frankly, let's just be real. It's kind of gross, right? That is then your raw egg white cervical fluid. That raw egg white cervical fluid is telling you, oh, you are ovulating, right? You are fertile, right? So the wet, slippery discharge from the raw egg white, that is what makes it easier for the sperm to swim up to the vagina and into the uterus to then implant into an egg, right? And then conceive. So if you're wanting to conceive, you want to make sure that you're having sex right before this time and during this time, because it's going to obviously increase your chances of getting pregnant. If you don't want to get pregnant, then you want to either be really careful. You want to either not have sex during this time or use a pull-out method, use a condom, use something else that you feel comfortable with in terms of non-hormonal birth control. I know you guys are going to ask for us we use the pull-out method. The pull-out method, if you do it properly, is actually pretty accurate. Um, there's an episode that I've got where I talk about all the different options of um, non-hormonal birth control and also the hormonal birth control options. We'll link that below so you can reference that and listen to it if you would like to. So would I be using the pull-out method on my day of ovulation with a guy that I barely know? I don't know whether he trusts his body. No, fuck, absolutely not, right? I'm using it with my partner that does also doesn't want to fall pregnant right now. We're not, we're not ready for that yet. We want to have some shit sorted out before we do, to be really honest with you guys. He's more like, we are not having a baby than I am. You know, I get in my little like baby mind of like, oh, it wouldn't be so bad. And then I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> no, not just yet, please. So he really knows his body. It's taken him a little bit, of course, naturally to feel comfortable in this method and to, tr- and not to trust me, but to trust, to trust in that I know my body. And he's now seen over time, obviously, that like we haven't fallen pregnant. And yeah, he now advocates for it. It's fucking hilarious at dinner parties. He'll be like telling everybody how much sex we have. We've never fallen pregnant. And Monica knows her cycle and like it's so cool. And she'll tell me what day she's on and I know, et cetera. And we do. It's, it's, we've made it a really open conversation. And that open conversation also sometimes means, babe, I don't know where I am in my cycle. I'm not really sure. Let's just be careful, right? Because that happens sometimes when we're traveling where I'm like, I can't, I, I'm not clear on the signs. And if I'm not clear on the signs, I just communicate that and we just be a little bit more careful. Um, but something that we've really done that's helped me and it helps also to take the pressure off, especially if you're worried about, well, what if we fall pregnant and we don't want to? 
is it going to be all my fault? Like this is all on my shoulders. By making it a joint conversation, something that I've made very clear and we've agreed because I also thought that for a little bit and he really reassured me that's absolutely not the case, is like I also, and I like can almost feel some of you feeling like emotional as you listen to this part because it's very validating and it was very validating for me, is that he made a really big deal of being like, no, babe, this is a joint thing. Like that it will, if we fall pregnant by accident, it will never be your fault. I know that you track your cycle. And I also know that sometimes things just happen. Right. And I know that, and it will never be on your shoulders because I am choosing to have sex with you. I am choosing that in every moment. So it is just as much my responsibility as it is yours. And by constantly keeping it an open conversation, what it's meant is that he will often be like, where are you at your cycle? Where, where are you in your cycle? Or like, can I finish inside of you tonight? And that way it's like, rather than me always telling him, he's actually asking me, which feels really supportive because then it's not like, oh, it's always has to be on my mind. It's also on his mind just as much as it is on my mind. So if that helps at all, I would really make sure that you open up the conversation with your partner. Um, because at the end of the day, ladies, yes, like our bodies are the ones that fall pregnant and we are the ones that fall pregnant and carry the baby. But like I spoke about in a recent episode, um, I think I was talking about it in the White Lotus episode. No, the, the, um, the birth trauma, abortion, et cetera, episode that I did you know, it is just as much their child and their experience as it is ours. And if we constantly keep telling ourselves the story of like, you know, they don't care, it's only happening to me, et cetera, then that's the reality you're going to live out. But if you have the mindset of, no, this is a joint thing, then you make him involved. Then you make him have half the responsibility. And then that becomes your reality. And that's been something really important for me, day dot, of we are falling pregnant. It is half his baby. He's going to have just as many changes in his life as I will have in mine. It's just going to be in different ways. And that's going to be a different kind of, we're both going to have different experiences, but it's happening to both of us. And it's that's always been something that's really important in my mind because Otherwise, you will feel excluded. You will feel singled out. You will feel like it's only happening to you, if that makes sense. I want you to think of your uterus, right? Like a swimming pool. If your cervical mucus is, you know, like watery, it's that raw egg white cervical fluid, um, et cetera, it is really easy for the sperm to then swim through, right? It's like if you're in a swimming pool, you want to be able to easily swim to the other side, right? So if you think of your uterus as a swimming pool, your cervical mucus is like the water, right? So you think of your cervical fu- cervical mucus like a water and the sperm is wanting to swim through the water to the other side. If the water is thick and like clumpy and like fucking tacky, like thick moisturizer, like buttery, I know I'm getting like really descriptive right now. There's no way a person could swim through that, right? They'd be like fucking sliding all over the place, get exhausted and be like, fuck this, I'm out, right? But if the cervical, if the, if the cervical fluid is then that raw egg white cervical fluid where it can kind of get carried through, it's like a slippery slide, right? When you think about when you're ovulating, sometimes I'm not the only one to know this. When you wipe, it's like, whoa, that was slippery. It's like a slippery slide, right? So now it's easier for the sperm to then get carried through and reach the other side of the pool. Right. So if that, if that helps you remember and just think, it's quite logical when you think about it. Like if you were to look at your cervical fluid sometimes, it's like, could sperm easily swim through this to get to the other side? Is the, is the cervical fluid helping 
to get the sperm to where it wants to go. Because at the end of the day, it's like our bodies as women are, kind of, are made to have babies, right? The intention is to get the sperm to the other side. So the cervical, if the cervical fluid is is like wanting to get to the sperm to the other side, it's because you're ovulating. If it's not wanting to get to the, get the sperm to the other side, it's because there's no egg there, right? So you don't need to get the sperm to the other side, right? So think about how hard it would be for the sperm to reach your fallopian tubes and the egg if your cervical flu- fluid isn't fertile. And that fertile cervical fluid is that raw, egg whitey, slippery cervical fluid, okay? So when you see that thin, wet, egg white cervical fluid, it can kind of be like a bit like thick, I, like a little, not thick as in like creamy thick, thick as in like a raw egg white kind of thick. That is the raw egg white cervical fluid. That is the fertile cervical fluid. Sometimes for some women, it can be a little bit thinner and a little bit just more like slippery and less less obviously uh, raw egg white. Like if you were to put your fingers up your vagina and then pull your fingers out, you may not be able to stretch. And it sounds kind of gross, but you may not be able to like stretch the cervical fluid. It may just be really slippery and it just stretches a little bit. Still consider that as a fertile um cervical fluid and then keep monitoring your cycle so that you can get really clear on what your cervical fluid looks like at different phases of your cycle. All right. So let's kind of jump into the different phases of what your cervical fluid looks like to make it really clear for you guys. Okay. So you have your period, you've been bleeding after your period, you're pretty dry. You may be like a little bit tacky, like the, the cervical fluid is kind of a little bit tacky. Um, and of course, like you're never fully dry. So when I'm saying dry or you're drier, you're never fully dry because your vagina is like a mucous membrane, right? So it needs to stay wet, just like your mouth. You can have a dry mouth, but your mouth is never actually fully dry. Um, so, so if you were to put your fingers up your vagina and pull them out after you finished your period, there wouldn't be that much cervical fluid on your fingers. And if you were to kind of like put your fingers together in a part, um, to kind of like feel the consistency, it would be a little bit tacky in a way, right? Then things start to pick up and you might start to get a little bit of an increased dampness and start to see a more white cervical fluid, right? So things are kind of picking up. We're getting further into our follicular phase. Maybe you're like five days out of your period, for example, something like that, right? And I want to preface that it's really important that you track your cervical fluid and get to know your cycle and what the, what the changes are for you because just because you Google something and it says on this day you should be experiencing this doesn't mean that you will be, right? The number one thing that has been the best thing for me in trusting my body is not getting overwhelmed with information and really pulling back and being like, right, here are the basic foundations. Number one thing, know my body. So let me get to know what my cervical fluid looks like in the different phases of my cycle. So I know what my cervical fluid looks like, which is then why it helps me when I'm like, I don't really know where I am. Like my cervical fluid isn't being really clear to me right now. That then helps me to be like, okay, let's be careful in sex because this travel, the stress, whatever has kind of thrown my cycle off a little bit or it's thrown the the body communication off a little bit for me, right? So then as you start to come a little bit further into, a, a bit closer into ovulation, you will start to experience more um, of that like hand moisturizer consistency, right? 
And, you know, after menstruation and you realize after menstruation, you have a few days of the dry, then you'll notice that your cervical fluid starts to change and it almost just like gradually gets it increases in a way, it kind of gradually gets more and more and more. And when your when your cervical fluid starts to become a little bit more pronounced, like that hand moisturizer, that's kind of like what I like to think of as the warning bells that ovulation is coming, right? That really helps me to know like, okay, let's be careful. And why this is really important is because sperm can live inside of you for up to five days. So even if you're like, oh, well, I'm not at my raw egg white cervical fluid yet. Well, no, you won't be until you're actually ovulating, right? Until you're actually releasing an egg. Right before that, then you start to get that raw egg white cervical fluid because there is a fresh egg that's about to drop that the sperm is going to get to and that your body wants the sperm to get to, right? But prior to that, you're going to get this kind of like thick, um, like a moisturizer-y consistency that's the warning bells. And this means have lots of sex and have him finish inside of you if you want to fall pregnant or be careful and use the pull-out method, use a condom, don't have sex, whatever your whatever feels the best for you and the safest for you, then that is what you need to be doing to then avoid falling pregnant. Because I'm sure you guys have heard the stories of like, I wasn't even ovulating and I fell pregnant. And I'm like, well, if you had sex like five days prior to ovulation and you have a healthy vagina and healthy pH levels and healthy cervical fluid, then the sperm can actually hang out, make a little house in there. <laughs> chill out. They can feed off your cervical fluid and all the nutrients in your cervical fluid waiting for that egg. And then as soon as the egg comes, it's like, oh, there we go. And then you fertilize the egg. That's how you you fall pregnant, quote unquote, before ovulation, right? That peak ovulation, that is the raw egg whites. So your ovulation day isn't necessarily day 14. It could be day 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. You don't really want it past day 20, right? Because then you're going to get into having a really long cycle Um, because you want to have like a good 10-day luteal phase because that's telling you that you have a strong amount of progesterone to hold your period, like to hold the lining of your uterus up in your uterus. The progesterone, just like the progesterone holds the baby in, the progesterone holds the lining of your uterus in, which is really important. And then when the progesterone drops, you start to bleed. But if you don't have a high level of progesterone, that's when you start to get that spotting or you'll have a really short luteal phase, which might be great because then you don't have many days of PMS, but you shouldn't have PMS, right? So you actually want to have a pretty a pretty good chunk of time for your luteal phase. I have about a 10-day luteal phase, which my fiance doesn't love, but I do. <laughs> um, but he, he enjoys every phase of the cycle and he hates every phase of the cycle because when I'm ovulating, he'll be like, Kate, can you get into luteal? There's like too much sass happening right now. And then when I'm in luteal, he's like, oh, can you go back into like follicular? Like, you know, you're, you're just, you're not talking enough. Like, why are you like not talking to me? Because I'm always talking, right? And then as soon as I'm not talking, you think something's wrong, for example. And then I'll be like, oh, wait, are you just in luteal? I'm like, yeah, I'm in luteal. Or even the other day we were flying and I had just gotten into my luteal phase and whatever. We had this like whole flight issue, et cetera. And I was quiet. And I, I'll i be frank, I started crying on the airplane, right? Whatever. And I'm in my luteal phase. I was tired. I was like overwhelmed, whatever, whatever. And I just needed to like release, right? And I wasn't with him. He was a few seats ahead and he can't deal with me crying because he just is a man, right? And he he feels like so bad and he's got to fix it, etc. whatever. And then 
later on, I was like, I randomly said, like, I'm just got into my luteal phase. He's like, babe, why didn't you tell me that? I would have approached everything so differently in the airport before if I knew you were in your luteal phase. So it really is helpful having your partner know what phase you are in. And I always think you got to keep it light and fun. Otherwise you're making something that doesn't need to be heavy into something that's really heavy, right? So after that peak ovulation, then you drop into your luteal phase. And then what you'll notice is you'll kind of go back to that tacky, um, uh, cervical fluid where there really isn't that much there. Or if you are having a lot of cervical fluid, maybe one cycle, it's going to be that tacky cervical fluid um, that kind of sits in your underwear, if that makes sense. Um, you're not necessarily seeing heaps when you wipe. It's not like when you're ovulating and you wipe and it's a slippery slide. Um, you're going to be seeing it more in your underwear, right? So you'll kind of dry up a little bit again, quote unquote dry up. Um, and there could be that light cervical fluid. And then you'll obviously go into your menstrual phase and start to bleed. Right. So I'm going to reiterate what I've already said. The most important thing is that you get to know your cycle. I want you guys to know your days of your bleed, your days of ovulation, your days of your luteal phase. You know, what day do you normally start to bleed on? You do not need to be bleeding on day 28, right? You want to cycle between 28 and 35. Okay. So my cycle is 29 to 30 days. It will fluctuate between 29 and 30. And often the only reason why it actually fluctuates is because I've had a time change. And so in one time zone, it's come on the 29th day. In another time zone, it's come on like the 30th, if that makes sense. Um, the plane travel, I find, kind of how to throw it off about six to 12 hours. Um, and I've got a pretty consistent cycle in that. If I've had a really stressful month, it could be a little bit of a shorter cycle or it could be a bit of a longer cycle because ovulation was delayed, right? So for some of you, I know that you've expressed, what if I don't ovulate? What if I feel like I didn't ovulate that month month, that month, or I wasn't sure if I ovulated? What's happening there? So if you have been really stressed or you've been traveling or you know you had... Uh, you were drinking a lot. Like there was some kind of increase of stress and inflammation on your body that can completely wipe out ovulation for a month or it can delay ovulation. So this is why it is so important that you do not rely on an app. Ladies, I want to let you know that I have two very exciting new healing kind of master classes, but I want to call them healing classes. They're energetic healing classes for your skin and for your gut. So if you have tried all the things to heal your skin and or your gut with supplements, with food, etc., but things aren't yet as good as you want them to be, the next step is very likely the energetic work, right? Your body is always communicating with you. Constant bloating isn't normal. So when you can heal and realign the energy that's off, it will completely transform your gut. Your skin is telling you something with the breakouts, with the rashes, the eczema, etc. So you just have to learn how to get the message and then heal the root of your skin issues. So the two masterclasses, the skin healing class and the gut healing class, they are two separate masterclasses. However, I highly recommend that you come to both if you're having skin issues, right? Because the gut has such a strong link to the skin. So there may be something that needs to be energetically healed in your gut that is also influencing your skin. So if you have skin issues, come to both. If you have gut issues, then you're probably fine to just come to the gut one, right? As you guys might have seen in a recent Instagram post that I did, your gut is linked to your sense of safety. So even though you may live in a perfectly quote unquote safe environment, the reality is that many of us have gone through an intense amount of stress during 2020 and 2021, and we're still harboring that 
in our body along with the modern everyday life stress. So you may be feeling consciously happy, safe, health, healthy, etc., but your body could be feeling a very different thing. Your skin is linked to your ability to express emotions, to be seen, to feel safe, any fears that you may have around being beautiful. Many women hold subconscious fears around being pretty, being seen, being fully expressed. And it causes our skin to literally create a protective barrier around us so that we can hide. So if any of that relates to you, these two separate masterclasses, but you can come to both, are going to be so transformative for you. I'm going to put the links below. If you guys have any questions about them, please feel free to reach out and I will see you on these live classes that will, of course, have a recording as well if you can't make the live class. So a lot of us are tracking our cycle with an app, which is great. I track my cycle with an app as well. I used to do it on paper, but then with all my travel and everything moving around, it just became, it just really did become too hard. Um, So I track my cycle with an app, but I do not rely on that app to tell me when I'm fertile, ovulating, not fertile, et cetera. So I've noticed that even with people that are using things like natural cycles or an aura ring combined with natural cycles or whatever it is, is your app might say on day you know, let's say you normally ovulate on day 15. Okay. The apps kind of pick that up. She usually ovulates day 15. All right. So it's telling you then from day, let's say, you know, uh, day 10, 11, 12, 13, 13, 14, be careful, be careful. Day 15, you're ovulating today. Day 16, you're fine. Well, what if you got into a really bad car accident and you were in hospital and you were stressed out of your fucking mind And as a result, your ovulation got delayed and this month you ovulated on day 18. Why is that an issue? Well, on your app, it says you're fine. You're out of ovulation. You can have all the sex you want. And so you're having all this hot, raunchy sex on day 17, but then you are ovulating on day 18 and you're not tracking your cervical fluid and your body and being aware of these things because the app doesn't say, ladies, An app does not know what is happening in your life to therefore influence your day of ovulation. This is such vital information. I'm going to say it again. An app does not know what is happening in your life that could be influencing your day of ovulation. This is why I am so big on know your cervical fluid because your cervical fluid doesn't lie. So let's say, for example, you had that car accident, let's say, or like some kind of stressful event and your cervical fluid kind of dried up a little bit. You'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I am under a lot of stress, right? And then you start to notice that actually that moisturizer consistency that's kind of saying the warning bells, it's starting to come up on day 14. And you're like, oh, okay, wait, it's a little bit delayed. Normally it comes on day 10. Like, all right, let's track this. It's telling, I'm going to ovulate soon. Let me keep looking at this. Every day you keep looking at it. You haven't gotten the raw egg whites yet. Okay, keep looking, keep looking. Oh my God, I have the raw egg whites on day 18. Now you've seen the raw egg whites, right? Lol, the raw egg whites. You've seen that cervical fluid. You're going to wait until a day later and see that it's dried up before you start having sex. Because you can also double ovulate right? So you could ovulate on day 18 and then also ovulate on day 19 randomly. And that's sometimes how twins occur. Okay. Um, but well, that's how sometimes also people fall pregnant. They think, oh, I'm not ovulating anymore. I ovulated yesterday, but they haven't checked their cervical fluid and they're actually still ovulating 
a little bit more, right? They can have that double ovulation. So if you're wanting to be really careful with avoiding pregnancy, always leave a day after ovulation and just double check that there's no more raw egg whites in your, um, when you check your cervical fluid, when you put your fingers up your vagina and, uh, you know, you can see that your cervical fluid has start to kind of dry up a little bit and you can tell that you're now going into your luteal phase. Okay. So that is really, really important. Now, when it comes to, I haven't ovulated before, I'm going to do another episode on this and like other random things that can happen in your cycle and then what to do, because I know this happens and it's happened to me before where I haven't ovulated, but sometimes basically what can happen is none of your, none of the follicles reach the, um, like ovulation finish line, right? And you can have what's called an anovulatory cycle where you don't ovulate that cycle, but you still bleed. And that's what confuses people. Cause they're like, but I still bled. So does that mean that I ovulated? And here's the thing. Your ovulation is actually more important than even your bleed, right? Because you want to make sure that your ovaries are releasing these eggs and not turning into polycystic uh, polycystic ovaries because you have all of these follicles that are fully grown that aren't bursting properly, right? So what's really, what's just important to know just for now is that it's okay if randomly you don't ovulate. It can be travel. It can be stress. It can be a change of diet. It can be drinking a lot. It can be a weird sleep cycle for a few months, right? So why you still bleed though is because your follicle still is making estrogen as they grow and they tried to ovulate, right? And so remember that estrogen stimulates that fertile mucus and it thickens your uterine lining. So, and eventually then obviously, because your uterine lining has been growing and growing and growing to either you know, house the fertile egg or it's going to, the, if the, um, the lining of the uterus is going to shed and turn to your period. Right. So the, the, uh, estrogen is still thickening your uterine lining. And then eventually, obviously the uterine lining still has to shed. So then you shed and you get your menstrual cycle, you get your period, but you haven't ovulated. Right. So if we want to get really anal and an ovulatory cycle, then not a true menstrual cycle because you haven't had all of those key points, right? You've missed that step of ovulation. And then you've missed that step of your luteal phase, right? As well, you've kind of gone straight from follicular phase to then a bleed, if that makes sense. But this is kind of the rule of thumb that I give all my clients that ask about this. If you have a once in a blue moon, bad period, an ovulatory cycle, painful cramps, random blood clots. If that is a once in a blue moon, you've had some weird symptoms, don't stress about it. Because like I said at the beginning of the episode, often us trying to be perfect, that is what causes the problem. We don't give our bodies grace and patience and compassion. Look at the symptoms, see the symptoms, make sure you're working on reducing those symptoms that don't happen again next cycle or in a couple months time, right? But also just know that sometimes shit happens. Sometimes you get a weird cycle. When you actually want to start to be like, okay, something's up. I need to look at my my hormones. I need to rebalance things. I need to do whatever. Is when there's been three cycles of consistent issues. That is when it's like, okay. Because the reality is, is that we hold like our stress and our health and our sleep and all those kind of things really affect our period, right? As a woman. So 
you need to give yourself grace in knowing that sometimes you're going to have a weird period because you've had a shitty month of sleep and drinking and being out and partying or whatever. Great. You're living your life. That's fine. When there's three consistent months though, where you've tried to um, heal those symptoms and they haven't worked, that is when you then want to be like, okay, we need to look at this to make sure that we're balancing my hormones so it's not getting any worse, right? That's really important. Okay. But I'll do a whole other episode, ladies, on like random period things and what to do about them um, uh, to help some of you. But I also want to say, and I really, really mean this, if you have imbalanced hormones, if you have PCOS, if you have bad acne, if you have cyclical insomnia or hair loss or back pain, bloating, blood clots, etc., you need to do my program, Your Perfect Period. You know, it said it in the testimonials, ladies have said that this program gives you every single thing that you need to know about your cycle. And more importantly, it gives you every single thing to do to heal a symptom and why you have the symptom in the first place. So not only am I telling you how to heal it, so you know for now and in the future and how to you know tell your daughters and your friends, but you also know what your body is trying to communicate to you in that symptom. So it is a really holistic approach, right? And at the end of the day, it's like, you can do that program and have a million symptoms healed, fixed, et cetera, you know, for the rest of your life, or you can keep trying to do this yourself, waste more time, and then end up having more hormonal issues that you have to spend even more money on, for example. And I'm always in the mindset of like nip it in the bud before it gets worse, where you have to spend even more money trying to fix something that you could have fixed months ago for less of a cost, right? And I know we're all trying to like be fucking scarce with our money and whatever, but your health is something to be scarce about. If you're in that scarcity mindset with money, I want you to actually think that you can't even be in abundance if you're not in full health because the vitality of your body is what instigates your energy flow for your manifestation, right? We always forget this. Manifestation is a somatic experience. What that means is that your ability to manifest is coming from your body. But if your body is out of alignment, if there is you know, major hormonal disruption, exhaustion, fatigue, et cetera, then all the money you're spending on the fucking manifestation courses it's going out the window because your the health of your body is what's actually most important. This is even why in my new program, Her, I made a whole week about health as the first week because you can't have success in your career and your relationships and your manifestations if you the foundations of all of those things are not built. And the foundation of all of those things and everything in life is your body and your health and your vitality right? So please, 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 ladies, I want you to value your body and your health and know that the return on investment is bigger than you can even imagine. It really, really, really is because being able to wake up with a clear head and having clear skin and good digestion and not being stressed about, oh my God, how bad is my period going to be this month is pretty fucking amazing. We have like 450 cycles in our life. Fuck having to deal with that pain and that discomfort and that stress of the you know incoming period 450 times. Nope, not for me. No, thank you. Next, right? So what I'm actually going to do to make this episode easier for you guys to find in the future is like I said, we're going to talk about cycle syncing. I promise you're going to get it today. I'm going to release it as a second episode for today. That way you guys can easily jump to the cycle syncing one if you need to and easily jump to this one that I just did if you need to, rather than having to like fast forward, filter through, etc. is what I'm actually going to do. Okay. So I hope that you love this episode, got lots out of it. Please revisit, write notes, etc. Share this episode on your Instagram, tag me in it. Let's get this message out there and let's get the proper information out there because 
because I am seeing a lot of stuff on Instagram where I am like, oh, this is not 100% right. And the 100% right bit, ladies, is so we're really fucking clear, you knowing your days of your cycle. Just because Sally Jane says do this on day 14 doesn't mean that you should if you are not in the same phase of your cycle as she is. Okay, so please share this episode with a friend. Let me know how you liked it. If you haven't left a written review and gotten the free meditation, follow the directions below in the description. And make sure you quickly tune into the next episode on cycle syncing. I will make it a quick one because it's all for the busy woman. And I know that you only have like 10 minutes to listen to this episode and you want it short, sweet, and digestible. So I'm going to do that for you right now.